0: But next time. I, w- I want to make you read Chobits now, now that you've said that you haven't. Also because I just kind of want to talk about I don't understand why anyone ever really liked Chobits.
1: Welcome back to Munging New Year's. My name is Corey. Helen, and April are with me.
2: Hi everybody. Hello.
1: And uh, we are here to talk about an old series and a new series, as always. Uh, our old series this time will be Seven Little Sons of the Dragon, a collection of seven stories by Ryoko Kui, the Delicious Dungeon mangaka. And our newer series will be Witch's Printing Office... Um, written by Mochi, Mochinchi and uh, art by Yasuhiro Miyama, um, but this first series uh, is, as it says, seven short stories. Um, there, uh, as with a lot of these anthologies, there doesn't really seem to be any uh, through line for any of these. So I don't really know where to begin, where to end, or how much to talk about.
0: Uh, and why did you agree to do this one? <laughs> well, because yeah, I got started. Who wants to talk about each other, And you said, oh, I can do the first one.
1: <laughs> I liked it. Uh, I like these stories a lot. But uh, and then, as I started talking about it, I'm like, wait a minute, I can't like synopses all the stories. That I would take too. Uh,
0: <laughs> the through line is that over half of them involve a dragon of some sort or another. And the others that don't have a dragon in them involve, like, mermaids, werewolves, uh, families of espers. They all have a fantastical bent to them. A lot of them in a modern-day setting, some in a more fantasy setting. So just what you'd expect out of the delicious and dungeon manga. There.
1: <laughs> See, why don't you do everything, else? You're just mucked and right?
0: Because <laughs> I don't want to talk that much. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, but did uh, anyone have any favorite stories in these? Um, I was particularly fond of uh, the werewolf story. I liked the transition from like this uh, kind of uh, more simpler, simpler, simpler drawn uh, manga, which I think was like a representation of this mom that ended up drawing a manga about her werewolf son, and her werewolf son being uh, first ungrateful and then extremely grateful. It was very cute.
0: Yeah, I liked the werewolf one as well. I was surprised that it uh, it was laid out the way it was, since yeah, the first few pages seemed to have been from the in story mother's gr- story of how she came to raise a son with werewolf syndrome before I she just realized get that's what it like,
2: just now. <laughs> I had to flip
0: back and forth a couple of times since I was like, are these two different short stories? Is this the same mm-hmm. one? Before I got it, um, I also was totally looking at the werewolf syndrome thing and I was like. Is this a metaphor for like periods? Because I was like, because everything they describe in their stuff exactly, the except for the one fact that this werewolf syndrome is only inherited by guys. And when we're talking about werewolf syndrome, like he, the boy literally does turn into a werewolf at points, but he'll also have days beforehand where he's just sort of restless and he's mm-hmm. eating a lot and his body's undergoing these weird changes. And I was like, seriously, is this? A metaphor for periods?
1: Yeah, and I, I th- believe it's uh, specifically only inherited by guys from moms. Yeah, it uh, sounds a
0: lot like um, color blindness actually, that a mother can be the carrier, but it usually doesn't show up in
1: women. Interesting. I, think you're I think you can that also that.
0: get it like an STD. It sounds like since they mentioned like transmission through genetics or blood, so.
1: Yeah, it's all that. <laughs> it seemed, mm-hmm. that was a little weird. Oh, uh,
2: both STD.
1: Yeah, I like the rest. Uh, what about you, April?
2: Um, I think my favorite one was actually the first one, the dragon turret, where they have the, I guess, is the dragon the only thing that's keeping the people from going to war? So it's about two sets of people um, that live in two separate places, and I guess the dragon is sort of in the middle? There's like a, I don't, I don't know what you would call it. I can't think of the word.
0: There's a wall with yeah, like it, a single opening, and the dragon has decided, ah, yes on top of this is the perfect place for my nest. And it's a very protective mother and it will go after anybody who goes by. So you can't just march an army through it right now.
2: So the, so, so the two people can't really mix. They can't trade goods. Um, and I, I don't know. I just like the kind of stories where there's like something larger going on, but it focuses on, on how it affects the people involved in small ways. So I liked, um, how you had the main girl that was being affected, but then she meets, um, the guy comes from the other side, and they kind of have to navigate learning new things and learning about each other. I, I don't know. I, like, really love that story, and I got this in digital, and I read that story, and I'm like, oh, I should have bought this in print, and I think mm-hmm. I still will. But I, but I really – I liked that first story, and then the, the second one, the mermaid story, I just – I wanted a little bit more of that. Like, when it ended, I thought, oh, I didn't think that was going to be the end, so that was – the only one that I thought, like, oh crap, I thought there was gonna be a little more to it.
1: Yeah, that mermaid story was a bit weird. Uh, I, think, I mean, I liked all the stories, but that one, I least liked out of them. The uh, the creator. The creator one, I think, was interesting, because it kind of grounded the story of these warring people, and it's like, in every story about war, it's really about the people, and it's like, these people are just people, they can love each other, it's not like, the people are at war, it's the countries that are at war, and then you have some sort of false sense of nationalism that is propagandic into your face, because the countries want you to be at war, but, uh, I this like the way... hot
0: takes with Corey.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, I like the way that Exandria centered around the, all that, or, heck, getting a budding relation, uh, relationship uh, or friendship, and then eventually going moving toward a relationship, uh, just because the uh, the people near the sea had salt, and the people not near the sea wanted salt.
0: Yeah, I liked both of those stories as well. Honestly, this is the rare anthology for me where I liked all the stories. Uh, That's usually not the case for me, and it might have just been because these are all from one creator whose work I already like. And I also read this digitally. Um, I think I would like a copy of it physically as well. So I didn't have a chance to check um, out the copyright page yet because I was interested in when she wrote all these different stories, since her artwork at the beginning of the volume looks uh, substantially different from the way it looks in Delicious and Dungeon right now. uh, But the artwork towards the later stories looked much more similar, um, which I thought was interesting just to watch a progression of art styles. But even in the first volume there was some really interesting paneling going on and like the first page where you're yeah. showing like a very similar scene going on between the two armies as they're getting ready to go to war and then people in the background start going, Hey, what's what's oh God Dragon, oh God <laughs> And that was very interestingly laid out and since we have only seen one work from her before in the US previously Delicious and Dungeon, it's interesting to see that she does seem to have so many of these other ideas bubbling around in her head. since I think a lot of them, like that mermaid story, could have been easily fleshed out into like a whole one-volume story and just... Mm-hmm. That wasn't the case here. Yeah.
1: This says yeah, first published know. in 2012.
0: Yeah, but I don't know if she published all of them at that point, or maybe right. she did like one here, one there over the years. So I guess we can say that the most recent of them at least is 2012.
2: Yeah, and that paneling that you're referring to, I think maybe like on the first page. It's like the first page, I think. Yeah, I meant to mention that because I don't know about like uh, the two, I guess, generals of, of either side sort of talking to each other, but the panels are overlaid with smaller panels of some of the uh, soldiers noticing the dragon but she's overlaid on top of the generals just speaking back and forth to like show the distraction that's going on. It's just mm-hmm. really interesting. It's like the first thing that jumped at me, I mean, I meant to mention that. I was like, we have to talk about that on the podcast and then completely forgot so I'm glad somebody mentioned it. I
0: do have some quibbles that some of these dragons look a lot more like griffins and as like a kid who had a mythology phase, which honestly never quite ended. I was like, that's not a dragon, that's a griffin, but if she says it's a dragon, fine, it's a dragon Mm -hmm. for this story.
1: Maybe it's just the griffin is a subset of dragon in this world.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's a bit of a stretch.
1: Is a griffin a mammal or a bird? Uh, I forgot what birds birds are called. Um... What I meant was, would griffins lay eggs (laughs) or not?
0: Oh yeah, birds definitely not mammals, but... uh. I don't know. I don't think dragons are mammals either, so...
1: But dragons would probably lay eggs. The question is, with Griffins list, because they're part birds. Yes.
0: Yeah, the mythology generally goes up over egg layers. Okay. Nobody's nursing babies here. And before anyone gets to me, yes, I know that platyp- platypuses basically nurse their young after they come out of eggs. Platypuses are just weird. Anyway. Yeah, I also like the last story where uh, it was this family of espers, but they'd accidentally brought somebody else in, and It sort of looks like there's a triple homicide going on in their house, and they're trying to, like, keep this other guy from figuring out that they have supernatural powers, but things keep getting worse and worse. And I was looking in the translator notes, and apparently this is a bit of a reference to um, either a detective movie or a detective series, which I was wondering. There were, like, a couple little moments in there where I was thinking, this is a reference to something, and I don't know what it is. It's not Detective Conan, so I'm out of guesses. But I thought that was very funny with the way it just sort of kept becoming more and more absurd just piling up towards the end and we've definitely seen a lot of her humor at play in delicious and dungeon but again it's fun to see her write different stories different settings since this one was in the modern day just
2: fun it was a it was a fun volume yeah Of um, interesting ideas like it just every story was different and still pretty good
1: yeah i like the uh Second to last story as well about the painter whose paintings come to life if he draws both eyes, or maybe if he just like completes them and then the eyes is the eyes are an easy way to keep a drawing incomplete. But anyway, yeah, uh, I feel
0: like I've heard that story before or that concept, and I feel like I've heard it before of like someone to keep something from coming to life just when paint in one of the eyes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it seems like a familiar thing that I, I've probably seen in some other anime or manga. I just don't remember where. Um, but the story of him, uh, just, like, reconnecting with his son after so long of him being stubborn and he turns, it turns out, like, his son was always looking up to his dad as a, as a painter, even though he's a doctor. very touching by the end. I guess that was, like, kind of a the theme throughout the end of the book, or throughout the entire book, is that these, uh, none of these, like, Saga games, if you're not looking for Saga games.
0: Yeah, most of them were pretty ho- hopeful, even the one with, um, the assassin lady like that one had a bit of an uplifting ending at the end um yeah no sad endings that's also nice <laughs> we don't need sad ending 20 <laughs> not right now
1: yeah uh but anyway do anyone have anything else on this before we move along
2: um i think we really had to have liked it if we're if two of us have it in digital and are consider getting it in print i kind of <laughs> wish i would have gotten it in print I, it was out before coronavirus i'm like darn i should have picked it up then but it's nice to still be able to read it in digital yeah i just got it in digital because that's the faster way to do it when we're doing a podcast every two weeks
0: <laughs> and you need a quick turnaround to get the book and then read the book
1: thankfully we are okay yeah, somehow i don't know
0: <laughs> because you two have a gigantic library of manga <laughs>
1: yep come to our private library don't come to our private library this <laughs> is our house <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's take a break, and we'll talk about more books on the other side, both literally and story-wise.
0: back, y'all. And now for our second title of the night. Well, we're recording this in the evening. I have no idea when people are listening to this. Uh, it is going to be Witch's Printing Office. Uh, the original story was written by Muchinchi. Not entirely sure how you make all those consonants work, but okay. And the art for this adaptation has been done by Yasuhiro Miyama. Uh, there's a couple of author notes in the back of the book which explains that originally the story was pretty different. It was something being serialized online, our main character was a boy, etc. cetera. Um, but then it got picked up and the author was like, well, as long as I don't have to draw this, I'm fine if it getting picked up and turned into an actual story, which is why um, the art looks very, very different. If you flip to the back cover of the book, you can see what the author's um, plainish art style looks like and also what the original protagonist looks like. But who is our protagonist? Our protagonist is Mika Kamiya, She is a Japanese girl who has been isekai to a fantasy world. You know, a tragic occurrence which is occurring more and more often these days towards all of these young, healthy Japanese people.
1: Oh, so, uh, sorry to interrupt, but isekai clarification. Is it isekai if they are reborn into another world, but not taken to it? Because I, I got the impression that she was reborn.
0: I think she got literally portaled, so yes, isekai. I would also consider reincarnation isekai since we've been considering things like my Next Life is a Villainous and Ascendance of a Bookworm as is
1: Isekai. Okay, yeah, that's true.
0: But I'm pretty sure she gets literally portaled in for this one. Um, although we don't see the event. We see her already in another world, and she's figured out that there's magic in this world, so somebody must have a spell to send her home, but there's no like international collaboration between magic users to share what spells they have or anything. There's no real libraries. So she calls upon her nerdy roots and decides that the best way to get people together and exchange knowledge is to have a comic market. And so they have invented Magiket, where they have these one-day events that people can sign up to be a vendor at and sell their zines of new spells they've come up with. People go down and buy them. And she still hasn't found a spell to send her home yet, but now she is having a good bit of fun organizing and running this. She's made some friends in this other world who are helping her with, like, security and lines. And when they are not running this event, she's also set up a literal printing office, taking advantage of the one spell she knows, which is to, like, perfectly copy a book multiple times. So this world's never going to invent a photocopier, but probably doesn't need to. (laughs) And honestly, printing machines are just evil anyway to work with. Uh, I thought this one was really fun. We've had so many isekai series to the point where i would say like a third of them are kind of like quirky ones which have some sort of weird twist to make them stand out and this one i think would definitely fall into that category since it is much more focused on the comic comicette part of it but i just really like this one i thought it was a lot of fun and was very charmed by this first volume it sounds like you guys liked it as well
2: yeah i liked it i wasn't really sure what to expect you think i would based on the title but I, I still didn't really know what to expect and some of the chapters went different places than i thought they would but i thought it was cute like it was a, a fun concept and yeah i'm with helen it was it was a lot of fun just uh, the different spells and um yeah it was it, it was fun yeah there's a chapter towards the end where
0: they basically reinvent cosplay by accident <laughs> and there was another chapter which makes me think that we're They're setting it up for, like, a long-term game to explain why someone's nickname has become Nakano Broadway. So I'm not entirely (laughs) sure if they would make that work or not. But
1: Nakano uh,
0: Broadway being a big shopping center in Japan to buy otaku things. Yeah.
1: I thought the thing was a little clever, maybe a little too clever, but uh, I kind of liked it at the moment. Uh, I did like the manga overall, too, though. kind of goes into um, the horror stories that I have only heard about through something like Gengshiken, uh, but puts it into a uh, funnier, digestible manga version. And there's the uh, the dude named Baragway, um, is quite, quite a funny character, too. He's like a soldier, but he doesn't really... Have all these confidence to go into battle and stuff, but he has uh, a lot of smarts and strategy and and all those kinds of things. So he's able to immediately identify things like this is a uh, this is where the line is clogging. This is uh, blocking the thing. So you got a sign that says uh, break the line here. And this is uh, and etc etc. The regular things that you have go wrong at a con if you ever beg to a large con. Like I wish Asen and Ax had this because. I mean, yeah. To, to a lesser extent, con, like ASIN and AX, to my experience, have been like some of the worst organized cons uh, for for things like line management and stuff. I appreciate yeah, someone th- like Broadway existing.
0: I feel like Otacon does line management pretty well, but a lot of this reminds me of going to Small Press Expo here um, just outside of DC, which is held in a hotel ballroom because for some goddamn reason they refuse to get a bigger space even though they really need it. And so they they can really use some line management. Their current strategy is to just put all the popular authors at tables near doors so that people can go out the door into the hallway for lines. Although, it's kind of funny to hear you describe this as a horror story when, Corey, you've been to San Diego Comic-Con and Anime Expo. You've been to basically the biggest conventions in the U.S. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh,
1: but Comic, When you go to Comic-Con, you notice that, like, the organization is not so much uh, problems with line management or anything like that. It's just there are so, so many people that... Uh, it's hard, to, besides queuing outside of rooms, it's hard to uh, have any sort of organism. So that's problematic, but like walking through the dealer's hall is the worst part of that. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you can...
0: Yeah, I would say, I think my one quibble with this story so far is that I'm having a hard time getting a sense of the passage of time, really. Since we see... Uh, Mika put on two or three events by this point, but it doesn't really seem any like any time has passed, and I'm wondering, is this Magiket thing, like, an annual thing? Is it, like, twice a year, twice-yearly thing by this point? I'm just having a little bit of a hard time getting a sense of, you know, the flow of it, and that's just something that always throws me
2: off. Yeah, and uh, unless... I, there's, a like, a story in the beginning, I think, that suggests that, like, there's something larger going on like there are the knights and um dragons i think i don't like what happened to that where does that go oh that um i think yeah, it's like in I, the very very beginning and so i don't know if there's like a larger storyline with like her being there uh, i don't know where that part of it is going.
0: i think that storyline was um her friends just trying to clear out all the monsters from the event space the day before
2: oh <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought it was. Oh, okay. Okay, Yeah, so
0: this is definitely a fantasy world with creatures like dragons and such. And there's a scene that's towards the beginning as well, as well when Mika's in a village that's under attack and they're like, oh, you're a witch, you can help us. She's like, no, I know one spell.
2: I am not good at this.
0: <laughs> and they're like, oh, what good are you for? And she's like, that's what I
2: was telling you. <laughs> okay. It helps put that in. I thought there was like a total, like, larger story. Like, oh my God, it's, they're attacking. Oh, I didn't realize that it was just for the event itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's
0: what I think it is i could be wrong but the setting the island that it's with Mm -hmm. looks like the one where they're holding the event afterwards i also thought it was definitely kind of funny that they like finish up their first event and then like all these shiploads of more people come and they're (laughs) like oh no we have not planned for this part honestly i feel like that's probably a lot of event planning when you get started oh no we haven't planned for this Mm -hmm. uh i know that when i was in college we had like a small con at our college at ourselves. And thankfully, we didn't have any real problems like that. We just had, like, the student union building leaking one time. I just put up a sign being like, don't touch this light switch. Might get electrocuted. But I think that was the biggest problem we had when I was there. Don't worry, guys. Nobody got electrocuted. We were fine.
2: (laughs) I definitely think the enthusiasm they had at that part is like real when they all got together like okay let's let's arrange it this way let's have them against the walls let's do this and that that i think that enthusiasm that they had in the back and forth and that seems realistic when you have small events especially small anime events like that where you're sort of planning it with a bunch of your friends and everybody has one particular thing that they care about Uh, that definitely felt real and then the other piece that i that I liked, but I thought was kind of weird, was when they did the, was it like the guidebook? And they had pictures of everybody, but then the picture started to move. Yeah, just so like in the Harry Potter, um, all the yeah. pictures were moving. Oh, 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 oh. so then, yeah, so then they had to find the guy that could seal all of the pictures. Like, I thought it was random, but it was, I don't know. I, that was a favorite part of mine.
0: Yeah, I think it was something along the lines of people submitted pictures of themselves, and their pictures moved on purpose, and just nobody else knew the spell for how to keep them static. And so they had to find the one guy who knows this spell. Because like we said earlier, this world is not very good with the um, spread of information. They don't have any central libraries or lending systems, it looks like. You basically just need to know the guy, the one guy who can do this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which Mika is hoping to change in her own way through capitalism, I guess?
1: Yeah. I don't know, when
0: everybody's doing small-scale zines like that, it's hard to think of it as capitalism, but...
1: Small market capitalism. (laughs)
0: Mm, Yeah. But yeah, I think, as people can tell, we all really enjoyed it, and there's a ton of other little details in this story we haven't even touched on. Like, at one point, Nika is getting some people together to help her plan the event, and they're saying, oh no, these two groups are like, rival groups, we shouldn't put them next to each other. And I noticed they had, like, names of like various guilds, you know, that function sort of like real world circles and i was looking at all the titles and i'm like wait a minute all of these are japanese publishers <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was a lot of fun and definitely makes me sad that i think every convention i was hoping to go to this year after katsu Khan has been canceled now because we still can't get this damn rona under control Yep.
1: Yeah, someday i would like to go to katsu con
0: someday i would like to go farther than two miles from my house again that too Wait, I think I did that yeah, today at the really. doctor's office. I think the doctor's office is technically farther than two miles. But you guys get the point.
1: <laughs> Something for more fun than the doctor.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, with that, I think that's going to be the end of this episode, folks. Bit of a shorter one, but, you know, that just gives you guys more time to go out and read the books.
2: Go do it. Go do
0: it. <laughs> ah, you can find us on Twitter, at Mong In Your Ears. And you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts. We are also hosted on the Taiku Podcast website. That is T A I I K U dot com. Wait, is it dot com?
1: Yes, it is dot com.
0: Good. Um, we are hosted on there since we are technically an offshoot of the Taiku Sports Anime Podcast. And uh, if you want to see us on any other services, you can hit us up on Twitter and let us know where they are since I think we're only on Apple Podcasts right now.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm.
0: As you can tell, none of the three of us are the ones who actually deal with that back end of the website, so... <laughs>
1: yeah, it broke, like, yesterday, and I have no idea why. It was apparently something with our hosting service, the way it connects to WordPress or something, I don't know. Um, uh, but Camellia, our, uh, our web, with figuring it out, or it just fixed itself somehow. I don't know. It works now, though.
0: Yeah, yeah the OASD's WordPress site, like, broke the other week while I was in the middle of editing a post, and I was like, what is going on this time? <laughs> WordPress. And you can also follow us individually on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Dreamer, and you can also find me writing for the OASG. I've had a lot of reviews coming out recently, like one, My Dad's the Queen of All VTubers, which was very definitely a cursed series. And I've also been doing some more fun series, like the new Fushigi Yugi series. And I even have a joint review of A Witch's Printing Office uh, with Justin. I think we did that one back in the spring, so you might have to go back in the archives a
1: little bit for it. I will link to it in the app.
2: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mangiorin. I'm still alive. I say that every episode. I say I say that like I'm disappointed by it, but I'm really not. <laughs> <laughs> Very happy you were still with us. <laughs>
1: uh, and you can find me on Twitter at CompassionK, yelling about sports, or rather the reasons why there are a lack of sports.
0: Until next time, folks. Bye.